Uh, all right. Hi, everyone. My name is Ali, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I uh, spoke uh, at a phone meeting, I think, last week, so I hope it's not the same phone meeting. Otherwise, I'm overstaying my welcome. But, uh, yeah, I'm Ali, a compulsive overeater, and I've been uh, in programs since uh, August of 1984, so about 38 years uh, abstinent in program. And uh, I had a high weight of 285, so about 152. Uh, so I qualify as a 100-pounder and a proud 100-pounder uh, at that and a grateful 100-pounder. Uh, and, of course, uh, perhaps not unlike your uh, experience or stories, uh, I had lost uh, uh, these 100 pounds over and over again and gained it all back. Uh, the last time uh, I had lost about 130, 40 pounds, never having heard of a way, just doing it on my own the typical ways we know how, fasting, dieting, etc., starving, swearing I'd never eat again, never gain weight again, and of course the journey back up uh, uh, started immediately after I hit my, uh, you know, the, the goal weight. And, um, uh, and as is probably true for uh, many hundred pounders, definitely for me, I wore the same clothes, I smelled a lot, I didn't take too many showers, uh, and I had uh, no relationships with anybody uh, that was uh, um, uh, loving or caring. It was uh, all very much focused on me, 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 and my eating, and how I can eat, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think uh, you all know how nasty this disease can get and how life-destroying um, this disease is. And uh, so I won't hover around that too much. Uh, I do want to say that when I came into the program finally, uh, and I was duly addicted, alcohol and food, um, my primary disease is food. Um, and, and the primary form of that food is binge eating, bulk eating, massive quantities of food until I passed out. And um, uh, you know, uh, when I came into the program finally in August of 1984, at the age of 32, so I'm 71 now, so I've been in program between 32 and 71, and uh, I knew I was all out of options. I knew that there was no more hope for me uh, based on anything I'd heard or tried before. And uh, I believe I had taken 
the step before the first step, before I walked into my uh, small meeting. I think there were about four people, all women, and um, in a hospital. And the step before the first step is, uh, in the big book it says, we admitted to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics or compulsive readers and could not manage our own lives. And I had admitted uh, that uh, the fight was over and uh, I was all out of ideas. I was all out of solutions. Um, and I believe the three pillars of the program uh, were mine without any effort. It's a grace. Uh, that comes out of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization and pain. And the three pillars are, uh, I was struck open-minded. I was struck willing. And I had claimed, to the best of my ability, a degree of honesty. So the big book talks about um, being dispensable requisites for our recovery is willingness and it goes even further and says willingness is the key willingness open-minded and honest with to the best of my ability and i was absolutely willing to follow directions and to hear voices that came to me from outside of the delusions of my own mind. And open-minded, or maybe to use a phrase that many may connect with, beginner's mind, right? Beginner's mind, open-minded, to try to see the world anew and the honesty to claim that I needed help. I needed an outside intervention in the form of the mystery that surrounds the 12 steps and Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, and so whatever was said, I latched onto like a life raft. And I got out of the debate society. I was very much into the debate society. I always debated everything. You said left, I said right. You said up, I said down. And so I was never open-minded. I was never able to access uh, ideas beyond the container of my own mind. But when I came in, uh, you said go to meetings. I went to meetings, five meetings a week, a day. I'm sorry, a week. Uh, there were many meetings in 1984. Five meetings a week. They said, read the big book. They said, write. They said, make phone calls. They said, find a sponsor. And uh, there was a huge emphasis on finding a sponsor. And that sunk into my brain. Uh, and uh, the notion of a higher power. I, I had no interest in a higher power. 
growing up uh, in my life. Uh, I didn't have a higher power. I never prayed. Uh, um, I was uh, aggressively secular. Uh, but pain has a way to, of making you open-minded. Uh, the grace of pain, the grace of feeling empty, without purpose, lost, is, is grace. And so, uh, uh, by the fourth day, I had found somebody who I could relate to, a gentleman who was speaking, his name was Alex, and uh, Alex was dually addicted as well, alcoholic, compulsive overeater. And I knew that Alex knew more than me. And that was very important to me. I, I needed to hear someone who I thought knew more than me, or I believed, or I knew had more to offer me than me. And uh, Alex taught me how to pray, how to read the big book, how to uh, um, be abstinent. And uh, my abstinence, uh, and there are many, many forms of abstinence, um, is uh, for the past 38 years, based on the way Alex taught me. Uh, and because he knew my disease and my mind, and I knew, because I had taken the step before the first step, admitted to my innermost self, that uh, I was of the alcoholic version of the compulsive overeater. Right? That um, uh, I needed to find a way to plug the jug. And, uh, and I know there are many forms of abstinence. And many people tried to convince me other ways of being abstinent, but I knew who I was. And I knew that Alex's uh, suggestion to me was uh, important for my survival. And he taught me, Ali, I want you to eat three meals a day, nothing in between, no flour, no sugar, minimum three hours between meals, and never miss a meal. And the wisdom of that has sustained me for these 38 years. Um, and that's been my abstinence. And, uh, and, I, and at the very beginning, in the early years, and I still do at some occasions, weigh and measure my food. Um, and uh, uh, because I didn't know how to synchronize my eyes with my stomach with the food. And so I needed something to help synchronize so that I could be honest. And, uh, and of course, uh, I needed to not have sugar because I'm a sugar addict. If I have one, I have the whole grocery store. Um, same with flour. And Alex's wisdom was that a minimum of three hours between meals because he knew the way my mind worked. He knew that 
if I didn't wait three hours, I would have breakfast at 8, lunch at 8.15, and dinner at 8.30 in the morning, all within a 15-minute spread. And then I would starve myself the rest of the day, which is part of the insane thinking of um, being a food addict. He also said, don't eat, don't miss a meal, because he knew with the kind of food alcoholic mind that I have, that if I had, uh, I would miss breakfast, I would miss lunch, and I'd have a trough for dinner. And then I would skip breakfast the next day because I had a trough for dinner. And then, uh, and then that would set off a bitch, right? So he understood all that. Um, and then uh, he taught me how to read from the big book. In the days that I came in, the big book was all there was. The new, uh, it's not new anymore, but the OA 12 and 12 works beautifully. Uh, I, and I've sponsored people using the 12 and 12 OA. I personally am drawn to AA's language. It's the mothership. It's the one that launched everyone else. And I find the mothership uh, very important to understand um, because it had it right that that if you're the if you're a compulsive reader of my type, it's an allergy of the body. If I have a food like sugar, it sets off an allergy in the body that sets off craving, that sets off the obsession. And there is no stopping that. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then he taught me to um, meditate, uh, Alex. And he took my inventory, the fourth step, and I gave him a fifth step. And uh, and then a year later, Alex handed me off to my next sponsor. Um, Bob L., who was my sponsor for 37 years. And Bob died uh, last uh, October um, at the age of 97. And Bob uh, taught me the spiritual uh, journey of the 12 steps once the food is no longer um, uh, my only obsession, right? So three meals a day, life in between. Bob taught me the spiritual principles that allow me to live life to uh, its fullest uh, as designed for me uh, through a spiritual practice practices, particularly through steps 11 and 7 and 3. Seven, three and, steps 3, 7, 11 are a coherent thread um, where uh, uh, they can be interwoven together rather than taken separately. For, of course, taken separately, they work. But 3, 7, 11 are particularly powerful um, uh, practices in the 12 steps. And he taught me that, taught me how to meditate in more deep, deeper ways. And he taught me principles of 
saying yes to life. Um, I was, as a compulsive reader, always finding ways to say no to life, to sit on the couch, to dream, to fantasize. Um, but I couldn't take it into action. Um, too afraid, too much vested in the ways and means. And, uh, and the moment my mind thought about ways and means, it became overwhelmed and it would shut down and it wouldn't try anything. It would say no to life. What if I fail? What if this, what if, what if? And um, Bob taught me principles like uh, fear is the first thing God gives you when he wants you to do something important or make an effort to find more ways to say yes to life rather than no and trust that this power that you're discovering and experimenting with and learning with uh, in the second step that a power greater than ourselves could restore restore uh, us to sanity can be activated in real time to guide and lead and to support you in the hour of need, in the minute of need. And uh, I began trusting what Bob had to teach me. And I found that indeed God or a higher power or the universe or however you conceive this power that is not you not me, uh, was always available in real time to give me, uh, to find ways for me to uh, lead a useful, uh, productive life. In, in, the, in, the, uh, in the big book, there is the chapter called uh, The Doctor's Opinion. And in the doctor's opinion, uh, one way I look at it is that it is the uh, portal through which we walk through in order to understand why we do the 12 steps. Um, and the portal that we walk through in the doctor's opinion is framed in terms like this is an altruistic movement that is to say this journey we are on in the 12 steps is an is an attempt to create the conditions um, the promises if you wish that we hear so often about to uh, uh, explore a life that arcs towards an altruistic uh, moral psychology. And, uh, and it also uses the word moral psychology little bit later in that chapter. But altruism means service. 
the big book is saturated by this principle of being useful to others, to be less and less self-oriented so that we can become more and more useful and usable, useful to others, usable by our higher power. Altruism is a form of that, is to care more and more for um, others about their welfare, their success, to be of service, which is what we do when we're sponsoring, what we do when we get um, to meetings and take on roles and responsibilities, or we come to meetings to listen, to support. Are, these are all forms of activating, teaching, um, opening the, the potential of claiming uh, an altruistic framework, mindset. Altruism is also related to compassion. And when we uh, take in a newcomer, when we sponsor people, when we listen to a person who's suffering, we're deepening, we're opening our hearts in ways that are related to altruism, which is compassion, which is the effort, the effort on purpose to relieve someone else's suffering. And we first begin that journey in meetings. We may be complete jerks in our home lives in our, as a colleague at work, but we get the first inkling that when we're in a meeting, we can activate the part of us that always wanted to be altruistic, kind, good, thoughtful, generous, supportive, compassionate. And we begin to see that it works. We begin to see that there is value in that, that we are, that we are there for a purpose. And then it extends out, it permeates, it, it, uh, it radiates out to uh, our children, our families, our, lo our um, uh, home lives, our careers, etc. In that same chapter, it talks about the psychic change. And uh, it, it, it uses the phrase, a, um, I, I'm not quoting exactly, but it hovers in this territory, a revolution in thinking. A, a, a revolution in our thinking. So to admit powerlessness is a revolution. To recognize in step three that it's possible, even if we do it faultingly, at times to say, let go and let God. This is n n let go and let God. That's a revolution in thinking. Step four is a revolution, is a psychic change. Uh, it's a consciousness shift. It's a different universe. Step four says, turn towards yourself, towards those themes in your life that has always suffocated you when you knew you wanted to be better. Of course, Gentle. the food has to be, thank you, uh, five minutes, I appreciate it. Of course, the food has to be taken care of. 
before we can even look at ourselves. It's a revolution in thinking. Turn towards yourself in step four. Uncover the the landscape and territories of what it calls defects of character that has always suffocated you from yourself. And uh, it's a revolution in thinking. Uh, Step nine, revolution in thinking, uh, make amends for harm. Start anew, the rebirth. It's it's a way of moving from being stillborn to being born again. We get to re-narrate our stories through the ninth step. I am not a jerk. I am not that bad man. I've done bad things, but I'm not bad. My light has been masked by this brutal disease. And now I wish to open my mind and heart, a psychic change, a revolution in thinking in ways that are altruistic and meaningful and useful. And in that doctor's opinion, there is an appendix, there is a reference to William James, which is then William James, one of the great psychologists uh, and philosophers of the 18th, early 19th century, and um, heavily influenced the big book, which we, uh, and, uh, and uh, he wrote a book which is referenced in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the appendix titled, uh, the book is titled, um, Religious, um, uh, religious uh, Experiences of the Educational Variety, some version of that. The, the point of that uh, book was to suggest to us that, that each of us, each of us are given uh, uh, our own specific lesson plans in order to fulfill our highest potential. And, um, and what happens when we get the food out of the way, however you get the food out of the way, for me, three meals a day, nothing in between, no flour, no sugar, et cetera, et cetera, and life in between, as I work the spiritual principles of the program, I get the curriculum that William James was speaking about. The syllabus, each of us is given our own unique syllabus to be fulfilled in the way that is at our highest potential. And we can't, and it's not a ways and means. We don't sit down and do goal setting. It's alchemic. It's mystic. It's what William James was pointing to. These, These insights that come to us beyond the delusion and the constriction of the claustrophobic ego and mind. And so uh, I encourage you to read the portal, the reason why we work the steps once the food is taken care of, right? 
to restore to sanity in the second step, the word sanity can be reimagined as to be restored to love, to be restored to peace, to be restored to service, purpose. That is a psychic shift. That is a revolution in thinking. Thank you for allowing me to share and speak and uh, grateful for your beautiful attention. Thank you for sharing uh, your experience, strength, and hope with us, Ali. Would you like to leave your contact information on the recording? Yes. Uh, so, uh, East uh, West Coast time, California time, 951-295-5091. And uh, I take texts first, just to make sure that it's not some telemarketer uh, who's uh, tapping me. So text, and uh, that way I know your fellow aware, and uh, uh, then we can uh, make the phone calls and chat, if you wish to call, of course. Thank you again, Ali. I'm going to stop the recording.